You know what my personal assistant got me for Christmas, Mike? Star Wars coloring books for grown-ups. I got one of them! Oh, yeah? Was this from one of the many, many pictures that you sent me of coloring books yep. from around the world? I'm proving a point to you, right? So, listeners, I have been taking photos uh, of every bookstore that I go into mm-hmm. and going into bookstores specifically to take photos as well to just prove to Grey that coloring is everywhere. And now it has been proven that it is everywhere because it is becoming a general gift that people buy each other. And now you have Star Wars ones. We may have the same one. Um, I have Star Wars Inspire Creativity or something like that. Images to Inspire Creativity. It's got a picture of Yoda on the front. Mm-hmm. That's probably what it is. I will be cracking that book out to color whilst I'm editing this episode. I've not touched it yet. I've been waiting. Do you have, do you have coloring implements? No, I, I don't have any coloring imp- implements now. I have, I have nothing. All right, I'll buy you those for Christmas then. I, I do not want Christmas gifts. But you need the coloring pens, and I'm going to get you good stuff. Because otherwise you'll get something crap. Uh, no, I won't get anything crap. I just won't get anything. I, d- I don't need coloring instruments. I don't need any of this. How can you color in the book that you've been given? No, no. You, you see, I phrased that in a very careful way, which is that... This is what she got me for Christmas, but I was like, please don't send this to me. I, I do not. I do not want oh, more things. It was purchased and you denied it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Were you expecting gifts? No. And this is why I was like, you know what I want for Christmas? Nothing. Nothing from everyone is what I want for Christmas. Huh. Do you get any gifts? I, I try not to. But for some reason in our document here, you have a gift recommendation for everybody else. Oh, yeah. Is oh, it yeah. all of your gifts? Is that the recommendation? Like, take all of my presents. <laughs> that, is a, that is my recommendation to you all this year. Take mine. I don't want them. No, don't take my things. You know, I like the things that I have. Yeah, because, I mean, if people took your things, they'd only have to take, like, one thing. You'd have no things. Unless it was iPads. You could take one of my iPads. And I might have this for a while. <laughs> Wait a minute. Weren't there four here before? You just sit down on the couch. Like, what is that? And you just pull one out from the couch cushions. <laughs> you open a cabinet and they all start pouring out on you or something. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what my house is like. Um, yeah, so I, I was thinking, I was thinking uh, a gift recommendation. If if you listener have a geek in your life that you want to get a gift for, because I bought this thing that I'm going to recommend uh, a couple months ago, and I've been surprised how much I use it and how much of a, a game changer it is for me. And I also got uh, one for my wife. And what this is is just an external battery to charge your phone or your tablet. How did you not have one of these? Okay, so here's the reason I didn't get one of these before, but I have a specific recommendation. And then now, of course, I should have been prepared. I'm not prepared for the show, as Mike knows, because some stuff came up which required my attention right before. Uh, So I wonder if he was too busy giving his gifts away. (laughs) Uh, What is this? Mofi... Something, but it's a specific one that I want to recommend. Is it the one that has the lightning built into it? I have that one. It's black, right? And it has a little door on it. Okay, there's there's two different ones that I want to recommend. Hold on. Uh, Okay, here it is. Okay, here we go. Sorry, Mike. Oh, okay, here we go. Okay. Universal. That's not... This is not what I want, Mike. I cannot find the thing. Okay, here we go. Okay, the exact name of the one that I have is Power Station Plus. And I got for myself the 4X version, 
but I'm seriously regretting having not gotten the 8x version. But yes, the thing that I like about this, the thing that makes it, for me, really great, is that it does have the integrated lightning cable. So there's like a little cover that opens on the front of it, Mm -hmm. and out pops the lightning cable. So if you have the battery... You also have the cable to charge whatever you want. And of course, for the non-Apple people out there, you can get it with, I believe it's micro USB uh, built in instead. Yeah. This to me is the whole thing because you know what I don't want? I don't want to have to think about, okay, I need something to charge this and I need the wire to plug into the battery to then also plug into my phone. I've never wanted to get any of those. But when I saw one that had just the integrated cable in it, I thought, okay, I'm going to buy this. And... I I just love this, and I cannot believe how much it changes my I am out in the city working workflow. Because with this, I have enough charge to like top up an iPad a little bit. Like I never quite get through a full day with an iPad, even though Apple says like, oh, you get ten hours. Like mm, no, Apple, I don't get ten hours out of that iPad. Not ever. More like six or seven, depending on what I'm doing. But it also means that I don't. I don't have to pick a table that is near an electrical outlet. Like, this is not remotely required. Like, I can just go in, sit down at any table I want, and charge myself up with the Power Station Plus. I'm really surprised that you didn't have one of these, considering how much time you work and spend outside of home. Yeah, well, what I had before was just a regular plug to plug into the wall and then i bought their like three meter cables so that i could i could sit further away from uh from a spot maybe but i don't know i just i just never thought it would be as convenient as as it is and i totally love it and the thing that i really like doing which i feel sometimes sneaky about is that sometimes if i there's like a good table at a cafe that i want to sit at it's like okay great i consider the good table but sometimes you'll see like on the floor in an out of the out of the way area there's a an electrical socket and so i can plug in my battery somewhere else right in, in the same cafe and just like leave it there to charge up for a little bit and then when i leave i just grab it and take it with me and plug it into my ipad in my backpack while i'm walking around so it charges as i go to my next location and then i have my ipad like happily happily topped up that's a pretty ninja move. I keep waiting for someone to freak out and go like, what the hell is this thing plugged into our wall? But no one has either ever noticed, or if they've noticed, they haven't cared. I think people know enough now like what those kinds of things are. Because it would look really weird, right? Just this box sitting in the, in the corner of the cafe. Yeah, yeah. Probably, probably the, the waiters do know. Because you're not the only person that does it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to go to plug mine in. There's already going to be one there. And I'm going to have to like sneakily take it out and put mine in instead. Well, especially now you've shared your, your tricks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be more people in London doing it. Yep. They have a super small version, which is called the Power Reserve, which is just this tiny little one that Mophie sells that also has an integrated lightning cable. And... It's only enough power to take your phone from dead to maybe like 40%. But what I've done with this is I have gotten my wife one to just keep in her purse all the time. And I'll tell you, it's one of those things where once you have it, she's been in enough situations where she's out somewhere and like, you know, it's low cell connection or something and the battery runs down. And the whole point of having that little battery there is it's like, okay, look, there's just a little backup here, which can just power up your phone. And it's enough energy to like get you to call an Uber to go home or something. 
And so she just loves having one of these in her bag as a backup. And I know that she's getting them for uh, a couple of her friends in the same situation of like, just keep it in your bag so that you don't have to worry about your phone running out and then you're stranded somewhere late at night. So I've never used these battery packs before. I know I'm like the latest person in the world to this, but I really think like the integrated cable is what makes all of the difference. So it's like it's one thing to keep track of. It's not two things. So that's uh, that's Gray's stocking stuffer recommendation for geeks for Christmas. So considering I assume that you're still away from the internet, mm-hmm. have you happened upon Apple's battery case? Have you seen that? Uh, no. Oh, I'm so happy that I get your response from this right now. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up a link and I'm going to send you it. Okay. Okay. Because we're talking about batteries and uh, I just wanted to see what you think about this because I think that you're going to go crazy. Well, don't predict my reaction for me, Mike. Now you're just setting me I'm up. I'm going to predict it. Predicting it. All right, so Apple have created and released a battery pack for the iPhone 6S only. iPhone 6S only? Yep. What kind of bullshit is that? Exactly. Take a look at it, and then you'll see. Huh. Well, that's interesting looking. <laughs> it's a bit of an uggo, right? <laughs> I wouldn't... I'm not sure I would go so far as to say that it's ugly. I mean, it's it's no... Uh, it's no UFO Apple Watch charger thing. Like that... You know, that docking station that they mm-hmm. made for the Apple Watch? Mm-hmm. That thing is fugly. If that thing came out of Johnny Ive's brain, I, you know, I think Johnny Ive, Johnny Ive might need to be uh, sent out to pasture. But uh, this, batter, this battery case thing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's inelegant. Mm-hmm. But if they made one for the 6S Plus, I might get one. Oh, great. I don't understand. I don't think it's so hideous that I wouldn't want to use it. Here's my guess about this product. This to me looks like Apple is trying to make something that gives you more battery, but that is also the lightest and thinnest thing they can possibly make. That's my guess about what this looks like. I'm really irritated that they don't have a a 6S Plus. Yeah, I don't know why this is. because And people are going like, oh, if you have a 6, this will give you more battery, so it can be like the 6S Plus. No, because this thing is like 18 hours more battery life. The the, the Plus doesn't have 18 hours more. Whoa, okay, that is crazy. I was looking at this thing. I was looking at this thing, and my guess was maybe it's 50% more battery life. You know, like it's a top-up. Apple was saying it will give 18 hours more, but it... Mm -hmm also won't take your phone from zero to 100%. Yeah, but they may be doing some clever charging tricks with that, right? Like uh, taking, a, taking a battery from empty to full is a very different chemical process than, than keeping a battery high. Like, I think this is, there's, a, there's a lot of really non-intuitive physics for batteries that pe- people think of it as like, oh, it's like a liquid, right? Oh, it's filled with Mountain Dew. And if, you know, add 50% more Mountain Dew, you get 50% more. It's like, oh, no, batteries and capacitors, they don't work like this at all. So I can totally understand if, if people are doing tests where they say, oh, here's my dead battery. How far does it go up? Like, mm, that might not be very representative of how it actually yeah, works. That's a good point, because you, um, you can't turn this on and off, like... It just charges hmm. on when it wants to. See, that's interesting. That's very interesting. And I don't know. I feel like, to me, that's a feature. Because I also don't like the little fiddly switches on the Mophie case. I feel like, you know what, Mophie, can't you just solve this for me? Like, just just charge it when it's supposed to be good. But so, I don't know. I feel like you wanted me to mock this case. But the, the more I'm hearing about it, the more all I'm thinking is, why is there not one for the 6 Plus? <laughs> We might talk about this later, but I was recently traveling. And normally I don't put a case on my phone, but when I travel, I do. Because 
it's a situation of if I drop it now, like this is a really awkward and inconvenient time to try to replace a phone is when you're traveling. So when I travel, I do put a case on my phone. And why I was saying that I would get this is this to me would seem like for my 6 Plus the perfect thing to have while traveling. Because it is exactly while traveling that you want all of the extra battery that you can get. And then plus a case. Like I wouldn't use this all the time, but I definitely would have a use case scenario for this. So now I'm just irritated at Apple that they don't make one for the 6 Plus. We'll send them a letter. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile. If you ever type the same sentences, phrases, or words on a regular basis, then you need Text Expander in your life. Text Expander saves you time and effort by expanding short abbreviations into frequently used text and even pictures. Okay, so what exactly does this mean? Here's how I use Text Expander. I have just a ton of little phrases that I use Text Expander for. For example, when I'm at the office and I'm on my way home, I use Text Expander to just write H-O-Q. So this is my abbreviation, H-O-Q, because it's not a frequently used letter combination. And that expands out to, I'm on my way home from the office. Do you need me to pick up anything on my way? I don't want to type that out every time I'm coming home. And I also want to see if my wife needs me to run an errand on the way back. I just want to type my little abbreviation, and it spits that whole thing out. I have abbreviations for my email address, so I just type G-A-Q, and it writes out my whole email address. I have abbreviations for my cell phone number. I just write cell Q, and then it spits out my cell phone number. I have no idea what my cell phone number is, but I need to enter it into a lot of websites, so I just use this little text expander snippet to do it. Anything you type over and over again, this is precisely what Text Expander is for. There's lots of little weird markdown editing stuff that I use Text Expander to do when I'm writing my scripts. The possibilities are just endless. You can spit out entire form emails by just hitting a few letters. There really is just so much that you can do. I've mentioned mostly the simple stuff, but there is just a crazy, crazy thing that I do with Text Expander that is very complicated, but I'm not going to tell you about it right now because you need to go to smilesoftware.com slash cortex and get your copy of Text Expander so that they get another ad on this show. And then I'll tell you what the very complicated thing is that I do. So go to smilesoftware.com slash cortex to pick up Text Expander You can have Text Expander on iOS and on OS X. Everything stays in sync everywhere so that you have your snippets wherever you need them. It works in, of course, for me, the vitally important OmniFocus. It works in all of my writing apps. It works in Launch Center Pro and in Editorial, which is really handy for some automation stuff. It's just a power tool for your computing life that you don't know you need, but once you get it, you'll think, how on earth did I ever live without this? So one last time, go to smilesoftware.com slash cortex, pick up your copy of Text Expander, and thanks to Smile for supporting the show. Last time on the show, uh, I believe you tasked people to work out how many degrees I am away from Kevin Bacon. Oh, yeah, yeah, we mentioned this. It turns out, Five is the best number we've gotten to so far. Oh, yeah? What's the what's the chain from you to Kevin Bacon? I interviewed Adam Lissagor once, um, who has worked with a director called Ryan Johnson, who mm-hmm. directed a movie that Bruce Willis is in, 
And then from Bruce Willis, you can go to Sarah Jessica Parker. I'm sure they've been in a movie together. And then you can go to Kevin Bacon. If you are five degrees to Kevin Bacon, then I am exactly six degrees to Kevin Bacon. Yeah. I like this. It's kind of crazy to me that I am in within that realm now, and so are you. Like, that, there is, there is some way now that I'm, as a regular mere mortal... <laughs> Are within the six degree line. Yeah, but this is this is this is the whole this is the whole thing though with the with the six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing is it's non intuitiveness that everybody is much closer than you think they are. It's just that the connections are invisible. Like that's until you get people on Twitter pointing them out to you. Until you get people pointing them in Twitter, but but even then you're only using publicly known connections between people, right? Like that's that's what makes six degrees really interesting is is like if you if you could somehow see all of the connections you would see that humans are much more closely connected to each other than it seems possible but yeah i like being six degrees to kevin bacon exactly so it's a very beautiful thing thank you to the people that took the time to work that out (laughs) you can now give money directly to me and gray oh okay so this is (laughs) This is the thing. I felt extraordinarily guilty because of my internet hiatus. I completely missed a huge relay announcement <laughs> that the the day or two afterward, I was like, oh, hey, did you guys do that thing? And you're like, yeah, it's already live. Like, oh, <laughs> whoops. So uh, Relay FM now has a membership program. Um, mm-hmm. And the Relay FM membership program is something that allows you as listeners to give money directly to the hosts of your favorite shows if you so choose. And if you do choose, we have some perks for you. So members will get a members only newsletter, which will be a monthly newsletter where we give you kind of an inside look at what's happening at Relay FM. We also have a store where you can buy uh, t shirts and stickers. Many of you have bought Cortex stickers. And we will be doing more stuff in the store next year. Some new stuff as well you'll get 15 percent discount on anything in the store as a relay fm member and once a year we're going to be doing a bonus episode of every show for members um it'll be a members only thing and it's going to be in august which coincides with relay fm's birthday so there'll be a special episode with some fun stuff of each of your favorite shows you're signing me up for a bonus episode yes I didn't know this. August. That's a terrible time for me. We're going to have to record that ahead of time. Oh, because it can be about anything. It, they'll be purposefully out of continuity, so it doesn't affect further oh, listen, right? You know what we'll do? You know what we'll do? What will we we'll do? do that thing. We'll do the thing. Oh, yeah. Which you originally are planning mm-hmm. for this month, Yep. but that we're not going to do for reasons. That's yeah. what we can do. That's what we so, can do that thing, Mike. Ladies and gentlemen, I know this is a long way away, August, <laughs> but trust me you will want to be a member when this comes around. <laughs> I had this whole big elaborate thing planned for a Christmas special, but Gray didn't want to do it, which is probably also a good time for me to say that we're not going to be back now until the middle of January. This episode is the last one of this year because Gray's going on some another walkabout, I think, to find his feelings. I'm not really sure what he's doing, but he's not going to be around. So we're going to be away for a few weeks. But yeah, so Gray didn't want to do this Christmas special, so it will be a member special in August. So yeah, long long story short, Mike was trying to plan like this elaborate Cortexmas that I just kept going. <laughs> no, you don't understand, Mike. I am taking Christmas off, and Mike was like, "No, but we can work more." <laughs> and you, you just, Mike kept sending me all these plans. Like he's like, oh, "We're going to do this thing. It's going to be amazing." And all you need to do is say yes. And I was like. No. You got <laughs> close, though. I nearly got you. I very nearly got you. No, you you think you nearly got me, but you didn't. Okay, so, <laughs> listeners, there's this thing that Gray does, right? 
that I've noticed over time. It's like how I got him to do this show in the first place. Like he'll say, ah, oh, no, or he brushes it off. But then you say something and he goes, hmm, and then strokes his face uh-huh. and looks up. Mm-hmm. And when you've got him there, you've just got him on the line and all you need to do is, is reel him in. It's difficult to get him on that line, but when you do, you just got to close it down. And I didn't close it down well enough. Uh, I left it too long and then we missed out. But you will get it as a real FM member. So there's a few things you can do for this. Um, because we're giving, we want to give up money directly to our hosts, right? That's what we're all about. Uh, real FM as a company isn't taking money from this. So bar transaction fees, the money that you choose as a Relay FM member where you want it to go will go to the host of your favorite shows. So you can go to relay.fm slash membership and every show is there and you can give to any of the shows that you want to. But if you just love Cortex, which you probably do because you're listening, you can go to relay.fm slash Cortex. You'll see our buttons right at the top. We have a silver, gold, and annual membership that you can do. You get the same perks no matter what you do, but it's, you can just choose how much money you want to give us. So it could be $5 a month, $10 a month, or $100 a year. It's completely up to you, and we really appreciate it. You don't have to do this. It's completely optional. Nothing is going to change about the show, uh, but we've had people for the whole time this show has been around uh, want to give us money because you have like Patreons and stuff for some other things that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we wanted to build our own system, which we could grow and adapt as we go forward into the way that makes the most sense to us. So you can now give money to this show if you choose. So, Mike, mm-hmm. I get the impression from the way you reeled all of that off that maybe you have spoken about this on some other podcasts prior to doing this Cortex show. Yeah, I've spoken about this a lot in the last few days. I just want everyone to know, right? Because you got to tell people or they don't know about it. So right. I've, I've been refining a kind of internal ad in my brain over the last week or so. And, it, and that is the best it has been so far. And I'm imagining maybe that this is the last show that you're talking about this on. Like, I just, I felt like that was very well rehearsed. Yeah, there might be like one more, but, mm-hmm. but that's it. But this is, this is the end of the line there. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the, the thing here is I feel like, okay, if this is towards the end of shows that you have spoken about this on, this is also about Cortex, which is in theory sort of about our businesses and things. So like you've given, you've given the pitch to members for what they will receive, why they might want to become a member if they want to support the show. But like from your perspective, like you mentioned this to me a while back that this was something that you and Steven were noodling with the idea of maybe bringing to Relay in the future. So like as much as you want to go into detail, like I would be kind of curious to know like what what are the reasons that you wanted to bring this to Relay? Like from a business perspective, one of the key ones was just that people have asked for it. And if people yeah. are asking to give you money, it feels like you should maybe try and make that happen. Mm-hmm. Right? And and I don't expect that. And we have no intention that this is going to make us like billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Like We are still an advertising business. Like This show is still going to have ads on it. Um, and mm-hmm. we're not going to talk about the membership all the time. Like, I don't want to mix those two things up too much because I don't think that we would make enough money to kind of eclipse that anytime soon because mm-hmm. that's what our business is built on. But it felt like something that we could do that would get more money for all of our hosts, which just feels like a thing that we would like to do. And then also maybe you've already bought products from all of our sponsors. Mm-hmm. So you can't support us in any other way. And I've heard people say that too. Or they're like, I don't want this or I don't want that, but I do want to support you. Well, now you can do it. 
And it's just like another way for us to maybe grow as a business and get more money for the people that work with us and stuff like that, which is important to me as the one of the owners of this business, right? Yeah, it's your responsibility to grow the business mm-hmm. when you're the owner. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what business has to do. It grows or it dies. <laughs> or or it, it levels off successfully indefinitely. Yeah. But we yeah, don't I like mean... to talk about those businesses, right? They're boring. <laughs> so either either infinite growth to the sky, right? Or Crushing crash death. to the ground. Right? <laughs> so this is part of the this is part of the relay.fm ever upwards business growth. Because otherwise we crash and die, apparently. But are you worried about how the sponsors might feel about this? No, because I, I don't think that it detracts from one or the other. Like people can people will spend their money on what they want to spend their money on. And if they want to buy a mattress, I don't think giving five dollars a month to us is going to change their mind on buying a mattress, you know? Mm-hmm. So the other thing then is like you mentioned it very briefly in your spiel. Mm-hmm. But the, this is you're not going with something like Patreon is the big player in this game now, right? Like, what is the business reason for not doing something like Patreon? Because, I mean, from my perspective, it seems like Patreon is just the easy thing to do, right? Like, you can just go, you sign up, and, like, they they kind of handle everything. And you've sort of built your own thing. But, like, why why did you do that instead of going with Patreon? Patreon's, like, really restrictive for a business the size of ours, I think. because if we wanted to just do give money to Relay FM LLC, mm-hmm. like Patreon would have made sense. We have one Patreon account, we bring all the money in, and then we either keep it or we distribute it amongst our hosts. Right? Mm-hmm. That that was that's a decision we could have could have made, but that's not the one that we wanted. We wanted to have the ability for people to give directly to a show. We have the ability so you can give money to all of our shows, but when you do that, which is awesome if you want to do that, but then the money gets distributed amongst everybody and it's quite a lot of people. So Mm -hmm. we set it up that if you love one or two shows, like a a lot, like you really love those shows the most, you can give your money to those and those hosts get more money, right? So we didn't want to set up like 25 Patreon accounts to do that Okay, Like that seems like a nightmare. Um, And we looked into a bunch of different systems and the one that we settled on was the one that made the most sense and it kind of treats everything like its own little plan and then we can build it into our own website and manage it that way mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. like the the patreon system with goals and that kind of stuff is not really what we wanted to do yeah the goal thing on patreon can be a bit weird sometimes <laughs> like what's the goal to keep doing the thing yeah exactly and then it's like oh we end up whatever moves patreon makes we have to go along with those Mm-hmm. So if they're like, now you have to have seven goals a month that you add, otherwise it doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and then they have that whole thing where you have to publish stuff into their system for it to trigger the payments, and it just doesn't scale the way that we want to. Like, we don't get to make our own decisions, um, but with our system, we can do whatever we want and we own it all. Which it makes things more complex, but it allows us to have a starting point, which is where we are now. And we're listening to what people are saying and we're trying to to grow it and adapt it in a way that makes the most sense for everyone going forward. But I think that this one works a lot better for us. If it was just one show or if we were just taking in money just for the business, then maybe Patreon would make more sense. But that's not the way that we wanted to do it. And it also sounds like this is a bit of the platform problem. 
that. Yeah, yeah. Turning, turning that Patreon is now in a weird way, sort of like YouTube or any of these services where it itself is becoming a platform upon which if your business is big enough, like depending on Patreon mm-hmm. now becomes its own kind of weird problem. Yeah, so. we're a little allergic to platforms. And if we don't need to join one, then we won't do it. And this mm-hmm. is a this is showing that. Like we just decided that we would build it on our own instead. Right. So you are you are trading convenience for independence exactly. is what's what's occurring here. Mm-hmm. That go. is a that is a fundamental pillar of my thinking about business. <laughs> if you can build it yourself, do it because otherwise you you are at the mercy of the whims of industry A. Right, but I I also I feel the need at this moment to just to, to say to say the obvious, <laughs> Patreon, which is like I love you. <laughs> no, 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 no. What I'm thinking is is Mike Mike is here talking big about. Oh, you know, you build it, you build it, you build it. It's, you know, it's great. But like, haven't you had Steven be handling most of this behind the scenes? Isn't that the case? Yeah, but Fess we up. own the business so, together. No, like, it's not like he's my whipping boy or something. Right. No, no. <laughs> you own the business together. But it's also, oh, yeah, we're going to build this thing together. But like one person has shouldered most of the burden, mm-hmm. it seems like, of putting the membership into action. Yeah. And then I just pop in the night before and I'm like, change this bit, change that bit. And like, yeah, and I'm pretty sure he wanted to kill me. Uh-huh. <laughs> But yeah, the, this is a definitely a royal we scenario. Uh, right. It wasn't me. Uh, <laughs> I just had my ideas every now and right. then. But yes, Stephen did this, like along yeah. with our great development team, Will and Jason. Relay is not just Mike Hurley. No. <laughs> it is Mike and Stephen. <laughs> and so this is definitely a case of Mike has an idea. <laughs> like one person has to make it actually come into existence, which is the harder part than thinking of a thing. <laughs> I don't know if it was my idea even. I don't know where it came from. But I think it was just a thing that we decided we would do. Wait, so it might have been even Stephen's idea and then Stephen's work as well? Like Very likely, yeah. What do you do here, Mike? Oh, I don't do anything. I just talk to you for four hours. That's my contribution. That is hard work. To be fair. Yeah, it's really hard work. You mentioned a moment ago about businesses either growing uh, infinitely like ours is or crashing <laughs> in a fiery death to the ground. Mm-hmm. And that's happened to one that is very important to me, which is Mailbox. Oh, yeah. This was uh, Mailbox was your email client of mm-hmm. choice back yep. when we did our let's talk about all the email clients and why they make us sad show. Yeah, well, we, we started talking about that because I was under the belief that this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it has now happened. So Dropbox has killed Mailbox. Yeah. Abs- absorbed it, absorbed it amoeba-like, I guess, is probably what really happened. Well, their, their wording is they have sunsetted it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Isn't that a way to say that you've <laughs> yeah. killed a thing? <laughs> lots and lots of people have been uh, tweeting and emailing to me about this. Uh, mm-hmm. Either A, letting me know it happened. Uh, because they heard us talk about it on the show and b which is happening more frequently now um begging and pleading for me to get them a solution (laughs) (laughs) it's like please help us you know i thought it's some kind of star wars scenario now right i'm i am the people's only hope at this scenario now like this is where we are i have to help people see this kind of thing as you're saying right now is exactly the sort of 
overly noble viewpoint that I expect people who always play the good guys in video games to have, right? It's like an email client has disappeared and Mike is viewing himself as many people's only hope for solving this problem. There is nothing wrong with playing the good guy in video games, as many people pointed out. And many people like me are questioning you now as a, as a person who likes to play evil people. It's not, not relevant. I'm just I'm seeing from your comments exactly what I suspected. You envision mm-hmm. yourself with wings and a sword. And yeah, that, Nothing that's wrong with trying to be the good guy. But so anyway, Mike, are you going to solve these people's problem? Do you have a, a masterful solution for them? I'm going to tell them what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. The features that I want don't exist in one app. So there is no way for me to recreate the system. So the recreation is in a few different things. Cross-platform, snoozing, and reordering of email, right? That is like my... They were the features that I liked the most about Mailbox. There is no system that exists right now that does all of those things. Right. Um, out of everything I have looked at, there is no other email app that I have found that allows for manual reordering of email. Mm. Just nothing does that. So I have to give that one up. There are lots of different apps and services that do snoozing of email. Um, for example, Spark, the email app that we mentioned, does it. Mm-hmm. Outlook does it. Mm-hmm. There are a few more. There, there are many that allow for email to be snoozed. However, none of these have a good cross-platform solution. And when you're doing things like snoozing email, you kind of need to use the same service everywhere because snoozing email is a real hacky thing. It like puts it into like a hidden folder and then waits and it moves it back to your inbox again. It doesn't really work very graciously unless you use one platform everywhere. Yeah, if you use any of these services like like when i was trying out the whole bunch of different mail clients to to see which one might work for me you learn very quickly like oh i can't actually log into gmail and look at the folder structure anymore because each individual mail client is creating its own arcane folder structure that it's subsorting messages into to try to keep track of what it views as snoozed messages mm-hmm. yeah so it's like if you're going to use one of these things you really have to be all in on it everywhere like you have to be making the decision that like i am going to use mail client x everywhere all the time and i'm just not going to be able to access my email directly in the same way that i used to some solutions that i have potentially found that i am not using currently are MailPilot, which we mentioned last time that was the one mm-hmm. that made me scream and cry because they didn't have notifications that was uh, probably my leading contender, I think, in that last show of alternative yep. mail clients. Because it seems to do everything except that one thing, which I do really need. And plus, they have their own peculiar way of looking at email, mm-hmm. um, which is which would take some learning. And one of the things that I am coming to as a conclusion now is to stop relying on a service to provide me with a new way to look at email because it mm-hmm. goes away and I have to rethink everything, which is what I'm going through right now. Um, people have been suggesting SaneBox to me. Um, SaneBox has a, a, a part of their service is something called Sane Later, where you can snooze email. SaneBox isn't an app. It's just like a service that you can do stuff with. And they also do some like inbox cleaning things, which I'm always very cautious of. Uh, but I know a lot of people that use SaneBox and it's, they seem to love it. So that's one definitely to check out if you are looking at it. But it is you still need apps and stuff like SaneBox mm-hmm. is just a little layer that sits on top of things. Um, 
And then, you know, you've got some of the apps that we already mentioned, like Spark and Spark are working on an iPad and a Mac client, which is awesome that they're working on it, but it's not here now, is it? So it's not really a solution. <laughs> like many people are saying to me, just use Spark. It's like, yeah. And they're like, they're going to be cross-platform. It's like, mm-hmm. But they're not, yeah. are they? <laughs> if there's If there's one thing that I have learned with software stuff is when someone says a feature or a service on a platform is coming, it's like, mm, I'm just going to count that as it isn't until it's here. Yep. Because I have played the waiting game and lost too many times. I'm like, oh, I'll switch to this new thing while they're working on their new one. And like, nope, it'll never come if you do that. Just you have to evaluate things as they are in their current state because you never know how long it's going to take to get what you're looking for. So for me personally, I've decided that my way forward is to I have to think about email differently again, and I need to approach it from a more simplistic view. Sounds like you're headed towards my solution, which is the native mail app. (laughs) It's going to come get you, Mike, sooner or later. On my iPhone and my iPad, I am using (laughs) Outlook Uh because Uh I like it a lot. Outlook is a great app. It has... All of the standard features that I need, like a real great integration with services like Dropbox and Google Drive, so I can very easily grab files and attach them. Um, and it looks really nice, and I like it a lot. It's a, a great app. It has great Apple Watch support. I can preview a lot of the email from a notification. Like I really like Outlook a lot, but Outlook on the desktop is nowhere near the same application. Mm-hmm. Microsoft bought a company. They turned Outlook. They turned that app into Outlook on iOS and on Android. Uh, but the Mac app is in need of a lot of love because, for example, Outlook does scheduling and snoozing of email, but it doesn't work on the desktop. Mm-hmm. So again, mm-hmm. I'm not using it. Um, and I'm now currently, when I say currently, using Mail.app on my Mac. But I hate Mail.app. I hate it so much. A thing that I'm noticing currently is it's getting stuck when I try and do swiping gestures on email. Like, you make all of this. You make the trackpad and you make the app. (laughs) Why is this not working? So I'm looking currently at some... uh, I'm looking at desktop apps right now. Airmail has been one that I've used in the past. And I'm going to mm-hmm. look at that again. They're making an iPhone app, which it looks incredible, but they're not making an iPad app. So there's another one. Uh, and I'm also looking at, I'm on an alpha for an app, which I think anybody can sign up for now. Um, and I haven't I haven't opened it yet, but it's called Polymail and it looks really, really pretty. And it's a Mac <sighs> app. Man, if there's anything I don't want to use an alpha or a beta for, it's something that is interacting yeah, with I, my email. I am. That's why I haven't opened it yet. But it does yeah. look really nice. Uh, but I may not put my real AFM email account into there. Like I might just put my personal email account into there right now and see what happens. Yeah, that sounds like a deal with the devil. Like, oh, yep. look at this beautiful, attractive email client. <laughs> it's going to eat everything. <laughs> and it's all gone again. Which for you actually might be a great thing. You should sign up for it. <laughs> oh, I have no email anymore. How amazing. <laughs> so my other thing is like, so now it's like, well, how do I think about email differently? So now I'm trying to just pay attention to the list and keep the list small. So I'm doing, I'm setting up a bunch of folders and stuff and putting things in folders and hoping that it works. 
So like one of the things I would use snoozing for was say I had feedback for Cortex. I don't need to look at that immediately when it comes in. I just need to look at it at the days that I know I do prep for Cortex. Right. So I would snooze it to like Monday, right? Because on Monday I do a little bit and I do a bit on Wednesday and a bit on Thursday to get everything ready for it. So I don't need to see it on, on like Friday, and plus, we do this every two weeks. So there's a whole week where I don't need it in my inbox. So I used to snooze it until that day. But now I'm setting up folders for the shows and putting the, putting the feedback in those folders when it comes in. Um, and then the plan is to go in and look at them and do something with them. But then there's other mm. things like inbound sponsor requests and keeping on top of those. I'm having to put those in folders. And I'm trying to work out like at what point does OmniFocus come into this? And then instead of setting what would be a snooze and the email would pop up as a reminder when it comes in to follow up on an email i'm now starting to set omnifocus task for it so it's basically i need to rethink everything and this has been a real valuable lesson to me in trusting a system which you cannot control as a really important part of your business because now like if i look at this in the right way and approach it in the right way the system that i'm creating i can use with any email service and any to-do service yeah, because it's purely reading email, filing email, and setting tasks. Anything can do that. Um, where the mailbox one is like that system became so important to the way that I do my stuff that when it goes away, I'm like lost and have to rethink everything, which is yeah. a situation I don't want to find myself in. This is this is like one of the fundamental problems with a lot of computing stuff is. You want to be all in on systems or, or particular products, really, because they give you bigger advantages. But then you're you're at the mercy of them going away or changing. And, and so it's like, you know, the the software giveth and software taketh away, right, with one hand and with the other. And and so it's just making it's just making me think maybe maybe about uh, 10, 12 years ago. I made a very conscious decision that everything that I was doing on the computer, if it was possible to keep it as a plain text file, I was going to keep it as a plain text file. Like I had come out of college and using Word documents and all all these other kinds of things. But I made a real decision like, okay, I'm going to convert as much to text as possible. And I still do just a ton of stuff as raw text files. And that has served me very well as various particular writing apps have come and gone or various other ways to store data have come and gone. It's like, yes, but text files remain because they are just this very slow moving, will be around forever, can be read by anything uh, structure. And and your problem with email is is a similar thing where it's like, okay, IMAP, which is this which is the system behind most emails, like IMAP will probably be around for another 50 years. And so if you can come up with some kind of email-based workflow that is around IMAP, that reduces your worry about this particular program going away in the future. And like, okay, I can I can just have my email system because I'm trying to build it on the lowest possible level. But the trade-off there is like you don't get the amazing features of being all in on one specific app. But then you're not sad when it's sunsetted that app. Even then, like even not even thinking about IMAP, it's like creating a system which is just fundamentally what email's about and just building on that. So even mm. if, if I moved to a different system or if IMAP went away and there was like IMAP too, like the things that I'm doing or trying to do are very likely, very, very likely to still exist 
like receiving emails and filing emails. This is interesting for me because I used to be a real purist about how email should work and like how people should handle email. But I've given that up over time, both as like my my amount of email has just grown to be unmanageable. And also just realizing like, man, email, like the whole notion of like receiving messages from people and how to sort them. Like this is just an endless topic and it is so particular to the individuals who are trying to manage it. That like there is there is no one way to handle this and things that might horrify one person about the way they do their email are exactly what what somebody else needs. But yeah, fundamentally, if you can reduce it to messages are coming in and I have a system of folders that they get filed into, or maybe you have a couple of server side rules that help you filter stuff out like that feels like a pretty good long term will be around forever kind of solution. I wish you luck with this, Mike. It seems like it it really cuts you up inside. It does. But I tell you what, though, this show has really helped me in dealing with this like is this therapeutic for you well no just not this episode but like this show in general like thinking more about the way i do things and talking to you about your system when this happened i was like okay i now know what i need to do Mm -hmm. which is as you're right like what you do making it very simple and then maybe the next step is getting somebody to just look after my email for me so i never need to read it in the first place (laughs) the gray method (laughs) my email system now is i ignore it for weeks and weeks until my personal assistant tells me that there's something that really needs my attention I'm very excited because this week's episode of Cortex is brought to you by Need, a curated retailer and lifestyle publication for the modern gentleman. Each and every week, Need launches new collections of exclusive clothing, literature, furniture, and more. And earlier this month, coinciding with their second birthday, Need launched an all-new site and expanded its availability into 43 countries in Europe, South America, Asia, and Middle East. Shipping is a flat rate fee for all international orders and free for all orders in the US, Canada, and Mexico. All returns are free regardless of wherever you live. This month, Need launched three collections, including their holiday gift guide featuring dozens of gift ideas for the holidays, including drumroll, beard oil. Oh, yes, you heard that right. My favorite thing, beard oil, is now at Need and they have a fantastic one that they have selected for you to rub into that lovely face of yours, and it's called Tree Ranger Beard Oil. Tree Ranger, you can let out the inner woodsman inside of you, or just the hipster in you, like I do. Right, so this is oil, right? But it's not going to make your beard feel all greasy. Tree Ranger has been designed to keep your beard well-conditioned, shiny, and smelling great. It's going to be like you've just stepped right out of a forest full of cedar and pine trees. And if you are a bearded person, like me, this is something that you should be adding to your Christmas list this year. Because, Grey, it really does make a big difference. Need agree with me, too. They even told me to say that, so you know. I hope you're listening to this, Mr. Grey. Need is designed to be simple, straightforward, and uncomplicated. They include prepaid return labels of all their shipments, have 24-7 support, and there aren't any subscription stylists or gimmicks that you're going to have to deal with. Simply go along to neededition.com, peruse their latest collections, and shop. Or don't. It's up to you. But whilst you're there, if you want to buy some beautiful oils for your beard or any other fine wares, use the code OILSFORYOURBEARD. That's all one word, and that'll be in the show notes. That's OILSFORYOURBEARD, and you will get 25% off your order. And if you order by December 16th, you'll get free shipping in time for the holiday. Thank you so much to Need for their support of this show and for giving me the chance to talk about beard oil again. I want to tell our listeners a very short story. Oh, okay. After our last episode, um, 
you sent me a, a, a text message or an iMessage, I should say. Mm-hmm. And you said to me, you know, when do you think you're going to have the edit done? And I told you when I thought I was going to get it done. And you were like, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might be a little bit less responsive than usual because I've decided I'm going on a trip. Mm-hmm. And I said to you, where are you going? And you said, I don't know. I'm going to the train station. I'm like a leaf on the wind. <laughs> this is the exact conversation that we had. Uh, and then you went away for a few days. Um, and I was very confused by all of this. The, the idea of you just, you're very weird with travel. You're so strange with travel. It's like a time when I'm my most stressed and prepared. You seem to just not care about it. Like the whole uh, flying standby stuff. And now you're just going to a train station and getting on a train that you don't mm-hmm. even know what you, where you're going. Mm-hmm. So you went on a little trip. And so what was this trip? Yeah, yeah. I did I did go on a, a bit of an unexpected trip. Um, so, so the listeners of the show will know very well that normally, normally what I do after a video, so this is right after the last video went up. Um, normally my plan is that I take a day or two off and I just kind of veg out and I just play video games and I don't really do very much. And that's just, that's just my downtime to recover from video production. Yeah, we spoke about this last time, but I don't know if you remember anything from that episode. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just I'm just setting the stage. Like that's normally what I would do. Okay. But for a for a variety of reasons it wasn't possible to do this time. I still had too much to do. But I was also just kind of still feeling like okay, I'm just I'm overwhelmed, but I also need to just recover a little bit. Like I can't just take a couple of days off. What am I going to do? And so what I ended up deciding to do at the very last moment was like, okay, I am going to take a working vacation right now. And I'm going to figure out what are the working things that I can delay, what are the working things that I cannot delay, and I'm just going to go somewhere else so that it, like, my brain has this feeling of, like, oh, okay, things are different, like, this is nice, and I'm going to just work on the limited number of things that I need to work on. So I packed my microphone because I needed to record some podcast ads, which I had not done ahead of time. Uh, I packed my laptop. I packed my iPad Pro, which we might talk about later. And I headed to the train station and I eventually just ended up in Amsterdam at a nice hotel (laughs) and I stayed there for a while. (laughs) Why is that funny to you, Mike? (laughs) I ended up like that that's the phrase. Like I thought you were gonna go to like Bournemouth or something. Like, you know, <laughs> just you know, you just get Where's on a train. I don't know, somewhere in the north, maybe. Uh, <laughs> who knows? It who sounds knows? like a place nobody knows where it is. But you know, it's just like, oh, I go there and that's where I am gonna be and it, I'm just you know, I'll be it'll take me like an hour to get there. Like ending up in Amsterdam is is quite a big undertaking. You had to Did you have your passport with you even? Did you take that? Yeah, yeah, I took my passport. Because you passport. didn't know where you were going to be, right? Like, so being outside of the country. The the long and short of it is that I uh, was combining this with uh, a visit to a friend who was in Germany. And so I did know that I was going to be heading out of the UK. So I did bring my passport. So that's why I had that ahead of time. Bournemouth is in the south, by the way. Oh, it's in the south? Yeah, it's okay. like on the coast. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, oh, it's in Scotland. No, it's on, it's on the south, south coast. It sounds like an old coal mining town, but I guess it isn't. Sorry, no, like born Sorry, Bournemouth. Yeah, sorry. Not really, but we just don't know anything about you. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, just, that's just how this ended up working. 
And so, yeah, uh, even though, I mean, the thing is, I didn't, it didn't really matter where I went because I spent most of my time indoors at a hotel, <laughs> like editing Cortex and editing Hello Internet and doing a bunch of administrative related work. But uh, yeah, it, it was a good thing. It was a good thing to do. And it's something I haven't, I haven't done it recently, but uh, particularly, particularly when I was still working as a teacher and also trying to do stuff on the side, I as somewhat regularly did these things that my wife and I came to refer to as hotel weekends, where if I had just a lot to do, I found it much easier to change locations, go to a place that is just like a self-contained unit in the way a hotel is. And so then it's like, I have nothing really to worry about except just the work that I have brought with me. And it's very easy to focus on this. And I don't have any of the responsibilities of normal life of like, oh, am I going to take out the trash? Like, oh, now I need to do the laundry. It's like, no, everything that I need is just here. And so it's easy to focus on this stuff. And so, yes, that's what I did uh, for, I think, three days, four days in the end in Amsterdam before finishing up the trip. And it was lovely. Were you on your own? Yeah, yeah, it was just me. I'm kind of dumbfounded by it all, really. Oh, yeah? I mean, what's what's dumbfounding about it? It seems quite reasonable to me. Yeah, but there are just some things you do, and they're, they're so out of character. And I know that they're your character, right? So that sounds like a weird thing to say. Yeah, yeah it's not out of character because I did it. Yeah, well, now it's part of your character. Uh-huh. But before, I don't think anybody would guess that you would do something like this. Because I certainly didn't. Yeah, well, I mean... It's- this is probably the first time I have... Well, that's not really true. I was going to say, it's probably the first time I've gone somewhere without a clear destination. But then again, like I used to road trip across America, and that's, that's entirely what a road trip is. Like, I'm vaguely heading west, you know, and I don't really know where I'm going to go. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, so it's, it, seems, it seems very reasonable to me. It seems very reasonable to me. But yeah, like I said, I, just, I find it is a useful tool to be separated from your normal routine and to be able to focus on an amount of work. And so for me, it is an interesting combination of this is more relaxing than normal life, which is kind of what I needed right after the video, but I am still able to focus on the work that needs to get done. So it was, it was a productive, like working vacation kind of thing that I ended up doing. That was the trip. I recommend it to try it people. Yeah. I wish I could. But a lot of my work requires a lot of audio equipment, and that's not so easy to move around. I brought my microphone with me. It's it's easy. You plug it in. Yeah, but you sounded super weird in the room that you were in. That's true. I did sound very weird in the room that I was in. What I actually need to bring is some some soundproofing equipment. And then how do you bring that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I am rapidly realizing that maybe this is not as as possible for you as I was originally expecting. Yeah. I mean, I guess you were traveling at the same time that I was traveling, and I believe, did you record any podcasts while you were gone? Uh, I recorded one, but it was a special episode. Like, it was, I recorded top four, well, me and Adina did, with Tiff and Marco. Oh, okay, but that doesn't count, because Marco must have sound rooms in his house somewhere. Like, he's a little obsessed with audio, so he would be all ready to go for a guest. Yeah, he had enough microphones, and they were all good quality microphones. And it was, Right, all know. the leftovers from his reviews that he does. Yep. <laughs> Just laying around. Marco's got microphones like I've got iPads. He was tricking me, though, because I now have all new audio equipment. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he gave me a microphone to use very specifically and then played it back to me, and I thought I sounded fantastic. So I then spent hundreds and hundreds of pounds. But yeah, to answer your question, uh, I didn't record any shows and I'm away. Before I go away like that, everything's done in advance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I pre-record stuff. So I can't just be that leaf on the wind that you are, that free spirit, you know? Yeah, your whole business, you're building a little cage around yourself. That's what that's what's happening here. You know, so all these all these shows that you have to record at specific times, you can't go anywhere. Otherwise, it's a it's a it's a big deal if you leave. And if I call it a cage, <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really strong metaphor <laughs> for my dream job. <laughs> yeah, do you, do you think it's it's an intentionally provocative <laughs> metaphor? Maybe I think it might be. No, I would never do such a thing. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the iPad Pro. Um, now, you spoke about it a little bit in your general interest podcast. On Hello Internet, Brady was wanting to know if he should buy a iPad Pro. So we mentioned it in in brief uh, on there. Well, I just figured if if we're calling this one the fetish podcast, <laughs> then that one is the general interest podcast. Oh, burn. Uh-huh. Burn. I feel, like, I feel like I'm not getting involved in this. That, that's what's happening here. I have no comment on this. Yeah, I feel like it's best you stay out of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you, know, you were talking about it a little bit there, but this was many weeks ago. But I could tell because you said you didn't have a pencil then, which I know that you do now um, mm-hmm. because we, we both had them. Like, And I have, I have the keyboard now too, so we're both kind of fully equipped. Yeah, the, t- the timing of this is interesting because we didn't really discuss the iPad Pro or the Apple Pencil on the last episode of Cortex. No. Uh, we left it out even though at the time of that recording I already had the Apple Pencil because... I specifically didn't want to do a kind of like, oh, here's my first impressions of of the thing. Because I was viewing this as, this is a tool that I need to figure out if it integrates into my workflow, both for the iPad Pro and for the Apple Pencil. And so we didn't talk about it last time on purpose because I wanted to let it simmer for a while and try to see like, where does this fit? How well does this work? Not just like, oh, I tried it out and I can sign my name. How does this actually fit into into my life and into my work? So yes, now we're going to talk about iPad Pro and Apple Pencil, like, what is it, three weeks on, three and a half weeks on? Something, Something like, like that. that. So you, I assume, well, you said you took it with you on your trip. Uh, how much were you using it? Yeah, so this is uh, this was very fortuitous timing that I got the pencil in time for my trip to Amsterdam, and I had the keyboard, and I had everything. And I think the theme of this conversation can be summarized by how I felt packing, which was, oh boy, I'm packing this iPad Pro, and I'm packing the keyboard case cover, and I got my pencil in my pocket, and isn't isn't this exciting? And then I look over and on the floor, it's like, oh, right. And there's you, 15-inch MacBook Pro. (laughs) Yep, yep. That was how I felt going to New York. Because (laughs) I was like, this will be the first time if something comes up. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the MacBook Pro felt like this total brick of obligation that I had to bring with me. Like, oh, well, I'm going to be editing podcasts, and so everything is already in logic, and so I have to bring this 
laptop with me and also I'm bringing the microphone and I just don't want to figure out how to record it for the first time on the iPad Pro. So I was like, you're coming with me, laptop. And the laptop is also always the, like you said, the the device of last resort that sometimes you run into a weird problem where there's something you just can't do on the iPad. It's like, okay, I got to bring out the laptop. But it, it was just quite, quite striking this feeling that I've never really had before of like, it always previously felt like my iPad is an accessory to my laptop, but the laptop was obviously the main thing. And this trip was the first time it felt so clearly reversed. Like everything I wanted to do, I was doing on the iPad Pro. And then the MacBook was just like, oh, right, I'm going to go back to my hotel room and sit at a desk and use this thing for a while. It's a real, it's a real shifting moment, I think having this iPad yep. Pro and having worked with it for a while. Couldn't agree with you more. Like, I am finding more and more that um, I am using my iPad Pro over my iMac. Um, mm-hmm. And then my iMac is like, need to do the recording now or like need to do the editing now and I sit down at it or there might be some specific task that I need to do. But more often than not, I am I'm working on my iPad Pro. Like today, I... I woke up a little later than normal. I woke up at like 10 um, mm-hmm. and we weren't recording until like three o'clock and I sat down in front of my iMac at three o'clock, but I'd mm-hmm. been working all day. Mm-hmm. So from the moment, yeah. like from 10 till three, I was working um, and I was doing it all on my iPad Pro. Yeah, I've been, I've been trying to think about how to express this feeling that I've had increasingly towards my OS X devices, but that with the iPad Pro is really crystallized. And and what it is, is it feels like every machine in my house that runs OS X, so whether it's my iMac or whether it's my laptop, they feel to me increasingly like, like how the toaster feels or how the refrigerator feels. Like it's, it's a machine that is there to do a specific job, but it's not something in a way that I am particularly interested in or excited about. Are you familiar with the cars and trucks metaphor? Uh, I mean, vaguely, but give me the, give me like the rundown of this. This is the Steve Jobs thing, right? Yeah. And he was talking about tablet computers, like in reference Mm -hmm. to the iPad and what they might do someday to, to desktop machines and Mm -hmm. saying that there are people that will always need trucks. Mm-hmm. And they are PCs, right? Because they do specific things uh, and they're very powerful and you need them for very specific reasons, for things that only the trucks can do. Mm-hmm. But some people own trucks when they don't actually need trucks and they'd be better off with a car, which is mm-hmm. the iPad. And mm-hmm. eventually a lot of those truck people will realize that they can be car people. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure... <sighs> So here's the thing. I'm not sure that that metaphor, like I can see what he's going for. And it's a very like Steve Jobs kind of thing to say, uh, which is always like poo-pooing the last thing that they've just done and talking about how exciting the new thing that they're doing is. I think the reason that I am, I'm not quite going along with that is I am really aware of how all of the most interesting and also all of the most important work that I do, I do on iOS now. And the iPad Pro feels like it is really 
the like the final nail in the coffin that has has turned OSX machines from like oh general purpose exciting computer to pure utility all right what's interesting and exciting work then because i mean you create your videos and record your podcasts on os 10 so when i'm thinking about my business the videos are the core of my business they are they're what brings in the most money they are what consumes the largest part of my time and attention and to that end as we've discussed many times the writing and the research is the biggest part of that and so that is what i am doing on my iPad all the time. And we can talk about it in a little bit, but like the Apple Pencil has really changed some things with the way that I do the writing workflow. But so considering that 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 is where my time and attention goes, that's why I spend so much time and attention on iOS as opposed to OS X. And so it's like I was thinking about my office earlier today. And which I am sitting in right now, which is where I record a podcast. So just like now, it's Cortex week. So I sit down, I'm recording Cortex with you, and I come into my office to do that. Or, you know, next week I'm going to record Hello Internet with Brady. So I come in here and I sit down and I do that. And then I'm realizing like, okay, but what other times do I sit down on my computer? When I have a big animation week to come in, that's when I come in and I sit down at my computer. But I've sort of realized that I have this office in my new apartment Actually, he's two years old now, which we'll get to in a second. But I I have this office that the centerpiece of it is this big Retina iMac, which takes up essentially the whole desk. But I realize that I spend, relatively speaking, very few of my working hours sitting at this desk in front of the computer. And the reason for that is because there's no space on this desk to also use my iPad. So I'm always somewhere else. There's like a kitchen table in our in our apartment that I'm very often finding myself sitting at during the day because I'd rather be working on an iPad than the gigantic computer, which seems like it should be the thing that I'm working on, which is, you know, 15 feet away. And I just think like that is a really interesting shift. And like what, what I was even thinking of is we've been toying with the idea of possibly moving into uh, a new apartment at some point in the near-ish future. And I was thinking about planning out what my office would be like if I could have a slightly bigger space. And I realized like, oh, I think I know what I would do. If I had a bigger office, I would take the desk that I am sitting at now, which is like the centerpiece of my current office, and put it up against some side of that room and just leave it as the machine where I go to do very specific kinds of work sometimes. And I would get a bigger desk with nothing on it that that would be where I would actually spend most of my time working because that's where I could sit with an iPad. And I just, I think like that is a phenomenal change to me that I am even considering relegating my computer to side of the room non-central focus for work like i i find it amazing that i have come to that point and and past me would never have guessed that 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 would even be something i would consider i find myself frequently wishing that my work wasn't tied to os10 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because i have to make all of these considerations like i didn't want to take my laptop with me on that trip 
Right. But I had to because I had some shows to finish. And even if I didn't have shows to finish, I would be worried that if something came up and I needed to do something with an audio file, that I could grab it really easily and just go into the workflows that I need and have all of the apps that I need and it'd be as simple as I need. Mm-hmm. And there are stuff starting to pop up for iOS now that can do some of this stuff, but it's not seasoned enough yet for me. You know, I mm-hmm. need to see that that stuff has been around for a long time, is being added to that kind of stuff before I think about going to there. Because I use Logic, as we've mentioned, but if Logic explodes and goes away, there are other options that I can go to. Mm-hmm. It's We haven't got to that point on iOS yet. But I expect it will be at some point. And then maybe I can think differently about it again. But right now, that's where I am. Because I would like to... I would like to pull a Federico Vitici and just always work on iOS because mm-hmm. all of my favorite apps are on iOS. Like, and, and I don't mean like Tweetbot saying like, oh, it's also on iOS. I just mean like my favorite versions of all of my favorite apps are also on iOS as well. Like I prefer the iOS versions of stuff to anything else. Um, and, and I really like, like yesterday I went to my co-working space and I, ha- I had a bunch of stuff that I needed to do that day. Like it was a real big like 2016 planning day that I needed mm-hmm. to take care of. Mm-hmm. And I threw caution to the wind and I picked up my iPad Pro. I put it in my bag and left. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm staying out of the house. I have to do everything I need to do today on my iPad. And I worked for like six hours and got a ton of stuff done. And I was able to do it all on my iPad Pro with my pencil and my keyboard and it felt really great. And I knew when I was doing it that I know a lot of my friends that could not have coped with what I was doing mm-hmm. because it is so far away from the way that they do things. Some things were a little bit more difficult, but some things were way easier, but the whole thing was more enjoyable. Yeah, that that's definitely something that is hard to articulate, but iOS, to me, is a much more enjoyable user experience. Even with some of the stuff that's like a little kludgy sometimes, where yes, it's a bit awkward sometimes to do some things on iOS, but the whole of it is just more enjoyable to use, even when you're doing things that you don't really like to do. (laughs) And, And I think part of what makes... OSX feel like it's a real utility is quite naturally like the slowing pace of development and change for it. Like it, it is solidifying over time more into like this is what we understand a computer to be in the same way as like microwaves, right? There's not a huge amount of revolution in microwave interfaces. Like, okay, we all understand where it is and how these buttons work. And so it's just not going to change all that much. Whereas the the iPad Pro plus the latest version of iOS, there's no other way to put it. This feels like and is the future of computing. There's just I think there is no argument about that, and and I I am just drawn to it as the platform to do as much on it as I possibly can. I mean, one of the big things holding me back now, aside from the podcast, which will probably 
I will be doing on a computer for a long time coming. If not simply because I have finally learned how to cobble it together with logic and I don't feel like learning a, a new program for that. Like I just want to get it done fast. But one of the things that's holding me back, going back to our earlier conversation about waiting for software, is I am waiting for someone to come out with the first fully capable vector drawing program for iOS. Like there's some things that kind of work around the edges, but there's there's nothing that is what I need in order to do the animations for the videos. But I can say like, man, as soon as Adobe decides that they're the one who's going to come out with their full version of Illustrator on the iPad or um, oh, I forget. I'll try to find it for the show notes. But there's another company that looks like it's making a very nice full featured vector drawing program. Like, can I imagine myself sitting at my new desk in a new apartment with just a big iPad in front of me doing the drawings that way? Yeah, I sure can see that as as the future and the alternative to doing it on my big computer. But you'd still probably be using Final Cut, though, to put it together in the same way that you're happy to use and will continue to use Logic. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, Final Cut, Final Cut is a program I actually quite like, and I'm always a little bit sad that I actually use Final Cut very little. Like, like what, by, by, when I do all the animations and when the audio is all done, it's just a matter of, of like lining that stuff up in, in Final Cut. And I mean, I, you know, I can do that in like an hour when all the, the audio and animations are done. So that like that is just the again, getting back to it, like this is the utility part. Like this is right. just a little grinding mechanical thing. Like, yes, line up this this uh, animation transition when I say this word, but it's it's not the interesting and important work, which is creating the illustrations in the first place, which is also hugely time consuming. Like that's that's what I mean by this new platform being interesting and the iPad Pro as as being really a big enough screen to really make it feel like quite quite the working device. You mentioned you want to get a big desk. Mm-hmm. Now, the iPad Pro is smaller than your computer. Mm-hmm. So what is this desk? Is it going to be like some battle station with <laughs> iPad minis mounted into it or something? Like, <laughs> it, Is it a desk made out of your old iPads so you can just touch everything always? Okay, okay. So like, you're joking, Mike, but... Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? I I forget. Have you watched much Star Trek in your life, Mike? I I can't remember. Okay, no, no, you haven't. Okay, so longtime viewers of Star Trek will know this little bit of a cliche that they do on the show. The captain will say something like, oh, we've flown into this new region of space, and they'll tell some ensign, I need you to, to bring me all the research on everything we know about this sector of space so that I'm prepared for whatever's coming up. Right, so the ensign goes away. And then the ensign will come back and because it's TV, because they have to visually show you like, oh boy, look at all this work this person has done. The ensign will come back with what is the equivalent of like an armful of iPad minis. (laughs) And it just like, you know why they're doing it on TV because they have to show it to you. But it, it does look kind of ridiculous when you think about it, right? Where it's like, do they need all of those iPads, (laughs) right? Is that like... 
Is that really necessary? I'm sure, given the amazing state of technology, everything this dude has looked up could fit on one iPad, right? Like, it's not really necessary. And then they'll show the captain later on to indicate, like, oh, boy, look at all the work Janeway's been doing. You know, she'll be there and her hair will be, like, you know, messed up because she's been working all night long. And there will be, in front of her on the desk, 10 equivalent of iPads just strewn all over the place. And so it's this visual image of, like, look at all the work she's doing. And it's sort of ridiculous, but at the same time, when I think about the future of computing and the future of how I'm doing my work, I don't think that is actually a a crazy scenario. Because can I imagine, and have I already done a couple of times? Yes. Sitting somewhere, and I am using my iPad Pro to take notes with my Apple Pencil, so I am using it like a clipboard, and then I'm watching something else on a separate screen, or I'm reading something else on a separate screen, I don't think it's actually a crazy scenario to have two devices being used side by side. And I already see people do this. Like when I'm out at the cafes and I'm working, I'm always fascinated by seeing what other people are doing, I'm always very interested, like, what other equipment do people have? How do other people use stuff? And the number of times I see people working on iPads or Surfaces who are then also clearly using their iPhone or whatever phone they have as a secondary screen, that's a non-zero use case. I do it. Yeah, so there you go. So, like, I think people like to laugh at that idea, like, oh, you're going to use two iPads at once? Like, you lunatic. It's like, yeah, but... Like, you have to think of them not as iPads, but as screens, right? Screens that you can input into and that you can receive information from. And if you're just thinking of that in an abstract way, is that a crazy thing to want more of? I I don't think so at all. And, And so when I've seen people sometimes in Star Trek, like, they will criticize the visual look of a captain sitting in front of a bunch of these little iPads. It's like, but is that unreasonable? I mean, people have sat in front of desks with papers all over the desk. Each paper they want to be able to look at at the same time. So I'm not saying that we're like we're necessarily there now that this makes sense for a lot of people's work. But I can say that thinking about the future of how I'm going to work and and what I might want to do, like I can definitely see that, that a a multiple flexible iOS screen based workflow makes more sense than continuing to invest in the iMac as the centerpiece of my working life, which it just it just clearly isn't anymore. Now, our final sponsor of 2015 is the lovely people over at Hover. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. If you have a project or an idea that you've been thinking about getting started, you're going to need to get a domain name for it because you're going to have to point people somewhere, and that place is always the internet. So you're going to need a website. Once you finally come up with the idea for a name, what you want to do is just go in and find it real quick. You want to go to hover.com, you just type in what you're looking for. If it's available, you just add it to your cart and you're checked out within seconds. It's super, super simple because this is what Hover's all about. They provide a great experience for you. They give you all of the features that you need and don't try and bog you down with those that you don't. They have all of the TLD options that you'd expect, like .com, .co and .me. They have all of the new ones as well that are coming through, you know, like your .diamond, your .limo, your .academy. 
etc etc they have all of these available at great prices their .com domains start at $12.99 and once you make the searches for the words and the phrases that you're looking for they'll show you what's available and if something isn't they'll give you some great options as well to help spark some inspiration for where to turn next hover includes who is privacy for free with all of their domains this keeps your personal information private they also have no hold no wait no transfer telephone support for all of their customers you can also get a hold of them by email as well if you don't want to speak on the phone and they have great documentation on their website there's the hover valet service where they will take all of the hassle out of switching from your current provider because they just do it all for you you just say my domains are here please take care of this for me and they'll do it for free they have volume discounts for bulk domain renewal they have their new hover connect which allows you to just in a few clicks get your domain set up with the website or service that you want to send it to and just so much more i love hover i really do they are fantastic at what they do they're a super cool company they're great to work with and i hope that you help support this show by buying your domains from hover.com so go to hover.com right now and use the code break b-r-e-a-k at checkout and you'll get 10 percent off your first purchase at hover.com and show your support for cortex and relay fm thank you so much to hover for continuing to be such a great supporter of this show all right so one big change then and probably why you would want to have this ipad desk is because you're able to use the pencil. Like, I just see that as something that is probably very important. It's something that I know that we both really cared about. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm interested in how that has gone for you when working on your scripts and stuff. Yes, because we were both very, very cautious about the pencil before it got into our actual hands. And so now we have had it. I've been using it for a little while and my review of the Apple Pencil could be summarized in one word. I say that the Apple Pencil in the stylus world has risen to the magnificent height of acceptable. It is... One hundred percent acceptable for its intended purpose. Yeah. Which, if you go back and you know you listen to uh, our earlier podcast, like I made offhanded reference to previous styluses, every other stylus has been just awful. I mean, frankly, unacceptable. <laughs> that that is what they have all been. They have all had some just deal breaking flaw. And I've seen lots of people saying like they think it's just amazing. I am not in the camp of someone who says it is amazing. But I think that acceptability is super high praise in the stylus world. In all uh, honesty, f- acceptable from you, your standards of acceptable is probably the exact same standard of a p- some people's amazing. <laughs> I think Apple should make ads for their Apple Pencil and they should just put on there acceptable cgp gray right hello my name's yeah. cgp gray and i'm here to tell you about the apple pencil now, i'm envisioning those posters they like to do where everything is all white right so it's just a white background it's just the white pencil and then the word acceptable cgp gray apple marketing department you can have that one if you want to run with it i'm perfectly fine with you using that as my review <laughs> put it on the box guys yeah <laughs> but yeah so so there are there are many things about it that i would like to be improved. I, I, I think largely the, the reason why I have it as acceptable is 
again, the number of people who say that the latency is very, very low, I think those are crazy people who maybe don't play a lot of games or who aren't highly attuned to latency. Like when I'm, when I am writing with it, it is very clearly a half, maybe three quarters of a letter behind what I am actually writing. Like it is noticeable, but it is acceptable. Like it, it is within acceptable boundaries. And quite frankly, I am thrilled about that. Because it, latency isn't a problem because it picks up everything, which has yes. not been the case previously. It doesn't matter what movement I make, no matter how precise, the Apple Pencil gets it. So I'm happy with it being a little bit behind me. So you also find it acceptable, Mike? Oh, most definitely. Good, good. I'm glad that you find it acceptable. It does, you know, it is the closest representation of, of looking like my handwriting on any computer I've ever used. Mm-hmm. So what have you been using it for? Um, I use it for taking some notes, which I do here and there. But more, really, more, the, the thing that I love it the most for is operating iOS like a pen tablet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is partly your fault why I like this so much anyway, is because you have indoctrinated me into the Wacom world. Mm-hmm. So now using a computer with a pen is what I like a lot. I like that a lot. Like it's just so much more precise. Like mm-hmm. text selection and things like that are just way better with the Apple Pencil. But I like just clicking around the interface. It's very enjoyable to me. I find it a very pleasurable experience. Um, I like dragging things around with a pencil. And, you know, I take some notes and I do some doodles and stuff like that, like the things that you're intended to use it for. Um, But the majority of the time, it's just purely the way that I use iOS now. I use my iPad. Like, I just tap things with the pencil. This is a thing that I have gotten into many an argument about, both on the internet and with real people, is I like iOS, but I think that touchscreens are fundamentally unergonomic because if if you think about the position that you hold your hand in when you touch a screen now so most people think oh i'm touching the screen and they imagine what they're doing is like is holding out their index finger right in front of them and pressing straight ahead of them but that's not what people do if you look at them because you have the ipad in front of you and so what you do to touch the screen very often is you have to spread out your hand and then hold it up in front of you in this in this kind of awkward position. And I think it's a lot like when you have your hand on a mouse, a lot of times you're holding your two fingers up above the buttons because you don't want to accidentally press them. And I just think there's something really unergonomic about that over the long run. And holding a pencil in your hand or any pointing device is just so natural because then... In order to have the the pencil tip hit the screen, your hand is in front of you in a very natural position. And so this is one of the few things that I continue to use styluses for when long after I gave up trying to use them to write, I still very often kept styluses around because I like to use them as pointing devices to hit targets on touchscreens. See, I never did that. And I didn't like that because it just felt like I was holding somebody else's finger previously because it just Mm -hmm. didn't really add anything to the experience for me. Mm -hmm. It was like I was just using my mushy fingers to hit a mushy thing into the screen. Like it's not Mm -hmm. really useful. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's just like the the pencil is so precise and so accurate that I can hit everything I want to hit. Yeah, you're never going to miss something when you hit it with the pencil. Exactly. The the only thing that I have noticed, because I, I... 
I mean, here's the thing. The iPad Pro in some ways has totally ruined me for all my other iPads because <laughs> I want to use the pencil on everything that I am using to navigate, right? Not yeah. even to write. I want to use it to hit touch targets. So here was the thing I kept doing yesterday. So mm-hmm. I was using... I wanted to be able to split screen an application um, because I needed to see two... I need to see mm-hmm. a spreadsheet and a web page, but Google Sheets, man, why even bother? Like, you know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, those Google Docs, they're great. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad to open up the Cortex show notes in them. It's lovely every time. So I had to use Google Sheets on my iPad and I had to look at something else on my iPhone um, because I was entering in some information. Mm-hmm. And I kept tapping my iPhone with the pencil. Yeah. Even though I know, I know it doesn't work. Yeah. But I kept doing it anyway. I did that for the first time today, uh, a few hours ago. My phone was on the desk. I was using the iPad Pro, and I just very naturally took the pencil and went to swipe the lock screen open on the on the phone. It's like, oh right, of course, no, it, it's not going to work. And now I am sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very natural tool that you want to use everywhere, and I think it really it it makes navigating iOS a more easy and enjoyable experience than constantly trying to reach up in this awkward manner with your hand to hit the various touch targets. I really do think, though, that this is only more enjoyable for people that use pen tablets. I I really do think that. But I think once, for me anyway, I believe, and I think you believe, is that if you are used to it, it is just flat out better. Mm -hmm. But you need to, to get over that initial hump. And until you do, it doesn't feel better. I don't so, you, so you really think that this is only because I have infected you with the tablet use on a computer. That's why Definitely. you're on, on board with this. Yeah. And so you and I are just total freaks in this world. And we will see in comments in the Reddit that just everyone disagrees with us. Is that your, is that your prediction? That is my hypothesis. But, but mm. I stand by the fact that if you can accept it and get used to it, you will like it more than you did before. Mm-hmm. But you mm-hmm. need that. I believe that there is a hump that you have to get over. It's like I have this perfectly good finger. Why would I put something in my hand? <laughs> I hate that argument so much. Oh, so do <laughs> but I. But that's, that's what everybody says. And people bring up like, "Oh, Steve Jobs said you have ten perfectly good styluses." Like, no, you don't. <laughs> you do not in your hands. Like, it's, <laughs> it's not styluses. It's not remotely the same. The only thing I have noticed is that. Apple has clearly built into the iPad the ability to know that it is the pencil and to ignore it in certain circumstances. So at least in my own testing, it is impossible to pull up control center or pull down notification center. Or anything of the split view stuff. It doesn't work. I can pull down notification center. I have done notification center. But that was like randomly one time. Yeah, I I, guess I, I thought I was just being an idiot and I sat down, I tried it for a while and then I, I came to the conclusion that Apple has programmed this to ignore the like the meta user interface, the stuff that is not in the apps, but that is over or outside of the apps. So every all the slide over stuff and any of the split view stuff, it pretends like the pencil is not able to to register those those mm-hmm. marks. So I think it's, it's an interesting choice. I don't think it's necessarily the the wrong choice, but it is yep. notable when you get used to manipulating the interface with the pencil that there are these couple things that it just won't let you do, even though it obviously knows you're touching the screen. I think I'm okay with it. Like, it doesn't bother me. Like, I can see... I don't know why you would make that decision, but I can see that you would, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know what your reasoning is, like, where it comes up. You're like, oh, no, we can't have the pencil operate those parts of the OS. But the fact that they 
that they that it is built that way kind of makes some weird sense to me that I can't explain. Yeah, I, I think it is not an unreasonable decision to make because you might be using the pencil in a drawing app and come up against the edge a lot. And so they want to ignore edge input. Like, I, I think Good that's point. not unreasonable. Yeah. Like if you want to draw a line from the edge. Right. You would like, be you can't do it anywhere. Like you'd right. be you're going you're gonna to pull down notification center. Yeah. There are yeah, there are these there are these funny things with the edge swipe gestures now that sometimes make some apps particularly infuriating. <laughs> like I use I use iBooks to read all my books now, and I don't know any way to try to get slide over or split view to happen while you're using a book that doesn't also turn the page of the book. It's just, it's impossible to do. I sat there for a while, like okay, I'm going to slide over iMessages without turning the page in my book. Like, there must be a way to do it. And I was like, no, there's no way to do this because they just don't understand what you're trying to do from the edge of the screen. There's a few apps that are like that that have edge gestures now, which are a little bit frustrating in new iOS, but it's a small price to pay. So did you use the pencil for marking up scripts? Because I know that was one of your big desires for it. Yeah, so getting getting back to the pencil, the reason why I can say it is acceptable is that this allows me to do the thing that I wanted to do, that I have tried to do with limited success in past years, which is that I can now mark up scripts just like I had printed them off from a printer and was using a real pen. And it is not an exaggeration to say that this is just game-changing for me, the ability to do this. So I'll, j- just to describe very briefly like what, what I'm doing, and I can, actually I just realized I can, I can share some of this with uh, the listeners if anyone wants to, to try it. I was trying to figure out how to generate a PDF with custom formatting on iOS. And I was messing around for a while and I was trying to figure out like, how can I do this? How can I do this? I have these markdown files that I want to turn into PDFs, but I need custom formatting. I can't figure it out. So of course, I asked the master, Vitici. And within two seconds, he was like, oh, here's the thing that you can do. Like, oh, thank you. So he sent me a little uh, workflow in editorial, which I then modified for my own purposes. And uh, I realized I can share the link. So if people want to check it out or try it, they can they can do it themselves. So all of my scripts are synchronized through Dropbox. So I can open up editorial, which has access to the current scripts that I'm working on. Press this little button to invoke the custom workflow. And it spits out a PDF of what I want to work on. And the key thing here is that it it uh, triple spaces the words and it makes the text really big. So I end up with this this PDF where there's a lot of space That's to the write. Key. So I was yeah. like, I don't know what your problem is, but now I get it. It's this weird format you have to do. There are plenty, there are plenty of apps that will just convert Markdown into a PDF, but the key is I want lots of space to write. And actually, like, let me, I'll send you a link here. Let me show you. You'll have to keep this secret because this is a currently in work project. Uh, so I, I have sent Mike so he can see uh, an example of a script that I marked up recently using this method where I've created a PDF and then I can write on top of it with the Apple Pencil. But you, listener, you can go and uh, if you just take a look at that old blog post that I wrote called Iteration, which talked about some of the working process, you can see basically what I'm doing there, although then I did it on paper. But I'm telling you, the ability to at any moment make this PDF from any of my scripts and work on it in this editing fashion where I'm striking outlines, where I'm able to make little notes, 
it makes such a huge difference. So on this trip, you know, I took a couple of trains and I took a couple of flights. And on on both of these, on trains and on planes, I was able to make these PDFs. And in like on a plane, you're sitting in a not super comfortable seat. Like there are people around you. It's a bad time to pull out your Mac Pro and try to type away at a script. Like there's nothing about that that's conducive to this. But I found with the iPad Pro and with the pencil, I could edit and make notes really easily and comfortably in my lap on a train or on a plane in a way that I would never have worked on a script like that in the past. But now it's like, boom, I can just do it at any point. And I love it. I absolutely love being able to work like this. I can see it in the work, right? Like I can looking at what you're doing here, mm-hmm. um, I can see why it's so beneficial to you to be able to do that. Like this is, I can see why this is such an important tool um, because not only are you able to make all those notes and make them in a fantastically easy way, right? Mm-hmm. You're just writing on the actual notes themselves that are on the screen. Mm-hmm. Nothing's printed, nothing's scanned. It's all there digitally. It's all saved everywhere. It's like the ideal. I used to only print out scripts on paper when I was kind of stuck with a script. Like I was always aware that this was a tool that if I'm having a hard time with the script, Printing it out and working on it in pen and paper is a helpful thing to unstick it because I think of my, my, my writing has these two phases where it's like if I am typing a script at a computer or I'm doing the thing where I'm talking it out loud but I'm also on the computer, I'm in a kind of growing phase. I'm usually adding things to the script. Like it's very easy when you're typing to add more. But editing is the exact reverse. We're doing this thing where it's a PDF and I'm making notes on it, it's way easier here to cut things. And so when I was stuck on scripts, printing them out and working on them like this, it made it more obvious sections that needed to be cut. Like, okay, this is bloated, this is bloated, like just cross it all out, scribble it all out, get rid of it, it's garbage. And now I have I have really worked it into my workflow that like because I don't have the hassle of printing and scanning and doing all this crap, like it's just right here. I have done so much more of this editing on scripts than ever before. And I just love having it as an optional way to work. And it's also just much lower barrier to work. Like it's easier to do this editing on a script than it is to do the thing where I want to talk out loud because first of all, I need to be in the environment where I can do it. This kind of thing, like I'm on a plane, I have an hour, like boom, I can make this PDF and I can work on it. It's just, it's just perfect for me. I absolutely love it. So the pencil has immediately, immediately become an irreplaceable tool for the kind of work that I do. It's, it's just astounding. I presume that you're using it to color in. That's what you're doing. You're coloring books. No, because for some insane reason, nobody has made a good coloring app yet. <laughs> it's money on the table, people. I'm money like, on the table. I'm like petitioning some friends like the developer. <laughs> like this will make you millions of dollars. Like you need to understand. In-app purchases for books and oh, but they just won't listen to me. But yeah, so I don't know, for me, me, like I said, this pencil, absolutely vital. And so now I am just 
terrified that I am going to lose it because it still seems like there's massive, massive oh, I know. delays for the shipping. Like I went to look online the other day and it's still like four or five weeks for shipping. And so I I am just constantly focused on where is it? Do I have it? Like every time I move, I have to make sure that I don't lose it, lose it because if I lost it now, I, w- I would be crushed. I, like I would be one of these people paying scalpers anything on ebay to get it back like someone selling one on ebay for twice as much great here you go take my money like i need it now because this is just part of my workflow immediately <laughs> i bought a pen loop that i have stuck to my ipad pro mm-hmm. so it has somewhere to live so i don't lose it we're getting into we're getting into the lucrative pencil accessory market very soon i imagine oh yeah Yep, I also bought a little uh, clip that goes mm-hmm. on a pen called the Fisher Space Pen. It's not very elegant. The clip is way too small. It looks kind of jokey, but it stops it from moving. I sent you a picture. My one complaint about the pencil, or I actually have, a, I mean, I have a long list of complaints, but that's not for today. Right? It's, it's acceptable, but I find it too slippery, and so I, I am indeed. I have one of these little pencil grips, like I used to use in kindergarten, yeah. attached to my Apple pencil. And I've been trying out a few of them. I, I've also been like, I'm trying to sometimes use the pencil without it because I would really prefer not to. But I do find like if I am writing for an hour, my, my hand kind of keeps slipping towards the front of the pencil. Like it's a little too slippery for me. So I do need a grip on it. But yeah, I feel I feel like I'm in kindergarten. Like, oh, hello, triangular pencil grip. Like we meet again. I thought, we, I, thought I left you in my past, but no. Here you are. <laughs> yeah. It does make me wonder, like I I had a little bit of a thought, which is an Apple Watch edition version of the pencil in the future. Yeah. I've already spec'd this out, by the way. If Apple made something like this, I would be willing to spend a not insubstantial amount of money for something that made this feel like one of the mechanical pencils I used to use doing physics back in college. Apple, there's, there's, speaking of money on the table, like there's money on the table here because we already know there's a high-end pen market out there. And I just, I wonder if this is something, Tim Cook seems to love his margins on products. Like I wonder if there's something like this in the back of their mind for, for version two of the pencil. But what have you spec'd out, Mike? So you could very easily make something that costs, well, you would sell for $500 and, and make it out of materials that are usual in the world that I frequent. So... In my mind, this would be aluminium Mm. because then it fits with Apple's other products, which it should be anyway. That is the thing that I absolutely hate is I hate the whiteness of it. Yeah. I I, I knew I wouldn't like it and using it in person in the real world, I loathe the whiteness of it. It's too conspicuous. And to solve your grip problem and also to fit with the design aesthetic of aluminium, they would knurl the grip. Are you familiar with knurling gray? Like, I'm thinking about the old mechanical pencils that I used to use in college. And I'm, I'm thinking this is like that cross-hatching you do yeah. around the place where you're gripping it. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's what you're talking about? That's called knurling, yeah. Okay, knurling. Um, so they would do that to the to the grip section. Yep, um, yeah. I think they could put a nice clip on it. Uh, I think that would be really nice so people could clip it into their pockets more than anything. Like, it's not necessarily about the moving thing, although that is a thing for me. Um, and something that I would really like to see them do in a very elegant way, which is definitely possible is a retractable lightning lightning plug or whatever you'd call it. No. You could do it. Okay, okay, Mike, Mike. 
you could okay I, I understand you want like a little clicky thing at the end where the the lightning port comes out right i imagine a twisting mechanism okay or a twisting mechanism whatever you know every everyone who uses pens is familiar with this right you click on the end or something if there's one thing we know about apple it's that they hate moving parts that they have a war against moving parts and so there's no way there's no way they're going to have anything like a retractable light everyone board. says this to me that i say this to and i understand why people feel this way mm-hmm. but trust me if you like it's this high end feel there are a couple of fountain pens that exist that kind of do this type of thing mm-hmm. um and you can it really feels incredible like that you twist something or you click something and then the the lightning port would pop out the top i would very much like that but i can see why so many people wouldn't like that and why mm-hmm. apple might not do it but that is of the things that i think they could make that is the least important um, mm-hmm. of that scenario it's really it's the making it out of aluminium which is the the key part of it and just making a real nice finish on it and mm-hmm. i think you i think that'd be set at that point and you could sell that thing for four or five hundred dollars you just gotta weight it really nicely like they did a good job with the weighting but just pay a lot of attention to the way that it's weighted um and they would they you know that would be that would be aces for people like you and me yeah i would i would 500, I don't know, 500 seems a lot, but when I, considering something that would be a tool that I would use every day, I mean, like, since I got the Apple Pencil, I have used it every day intensely for writing for an hour or two hours, and then I'm using it in additionally to navigate the interface for the rest of the day. I know why 500 sounds a lot, um, but I'm basing it on the pen world. I have pens made of acrylic that cost $400. Yeah, see, this is the thing where I'm just, I'm just not familiar with this yeah and whereas when apple released their their pricing for the apple watch like i am dimly aware of the high-end watch world and so when they announced uh their prices for the apple watch i was like yeah it's a lot but it's not it's not like a crazy number in the in the high-end watch world and i'm just not familiar with like what what are super high-end pens and pencils like what do they go for i don't i am that's not, not super high end okay well, like what's a what's a super high-end pencil <sighs> not a pencil or a pen oh, yeah a pen super high-end pen you for you'd be looking at four figures or maybe like close towards that like the nine eight hundred nine hundred mark the most expensive mm-hmm. pen that i own um cost uh, about six hundred dollars very easy to get there well, I guess for people who want to know the details of how you get there, you have a podcast they should go listen to, which is the Pen Addict. Yes, they should. Uh, <laughs> this 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 specific pen though was custom made, which is mm-hmm. why it's so expensive. I even picked out and sourced the material. Great, I'm sure. I'm sure you had some organic, free range bamboo or something that you had your super high end pen made out of. That sounds like what you'd do. It's a material called Tiboldi. Uh, what is what is Tibaldi? Just Google it. Okay. Just Google Tibaldi pen. T i b a l d i. Yeah, I, I am not able to tell what this material is by looking at it. It is an ac- it is an acrylic like material. Okay. And it is stunning. It is absolutely stunning, and it's so difficult to photograph because the beauty in it is all in the way that the lights hit it. Spoken like a man who runs a pen podcast. Whereas I'm looking at these pictures and I couldn't tell the difference from plastic from the photos. I'm like, oh, is it plastic? I like this picture that I found here of someone who has a, a pen that matches their Bentley. There's a, like a place in their Bentley car for this matching pen. 
I'm sure you've already seen this ridiculous photo. Oh, look at that. So I guess like this is this is just a thing that exists in the luxury world. <laughs> you want to have a you want to have a thousand dollar pen that matches the interior of your car <laughs> perfectly. This is the kind of thing that you can do. If I had a high end car, it would be that one. You're really into these pens, Mike. I really am. Yeah. So. <laughs> I've opened a, I've opened a terrible door by bringing it up on <laughs> like that like this. <laughs> it's time to close it before we lose all of our listeners. <laughs> yeah. But if you are at all interested, there is a <laughs> weekly podcast which has been going on for over weekly. three years. <laughs> weekly. <laughs> and we're approaching episode 200, and it's called the Pen Addict, and we talk about this stuff every single week, and lots of people listen to it. I can't believe it's weekly. 